Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM, 87.6, or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are, positively different radio in the morning. You're with Lyle and... Angela. Angela, how are you this morning? <laughs> I... It was actually really easy for me to get out of bed. I don't know why, because I did not go to bed at a good time. So I think it's going to hit me tomorrow like a train. That's what I predict. Take a nap. Power I, naps. Power I don't naps take are naps. I, I don't take naps. Power, power naps are amazing. They give you lots of My mom energy. said I stopped when I was like two, and I haven't started since. I haven't done since. since. I just there can't. There's too many things to do and excitement to experience. You just don't energize I'm just not energize a napper. Battery. <laughs> I think you will be fine. I think what it is is that your body clock is saying, yes, I love breakfast radio. That's what I think it is. <laughs> oh, my parents are going in shock right now. Me, love 5 a.m. Nope, the two words never have gone together. <laughs> <laughs> we have had people on this show in the past who were not morning people. And we're definitely loving being a morning person by the time they finished working here. Well, I told you, remember, since I moved to Australia, yeah, I have been getting it. up at 5.30 to 6 because I actually really started praying the prayer, God, wake me up. And he has, except for the radio show, I have to have an alarm. <laughs> because you get up a little bit earlier than that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, okay, that's fantastic. Um is that what you're thankful for this morning? Actually, I'm thankful for something really odd. I'm thankful for the time difference. This has been the easiest location to live and communicate with my family at home. The 14 hours is like ideal because in the morning, they are going, they're like this little window that they have. They're done from work and it's seven to nine and I can catch it. it easier, even though when I lived in Tennessee, an hour difference is easier in Australia to actually communicate with my family. Okay, so when you, before you go to work, and after they've finished work. That's cool. That's awesome. Uh, I'm thankful because yesterday I got to spend a whole day just about on a tractor after radio. So, I mean, who doesn't love driving a tractor? So Definitely. it was just a uh, best day ever for me. Uh, yes. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We'll be back after we listen to Gate the As long as it takes for a song to make sad, heavy spirits free I'm gonna keep making music that carries the secret that Jesus is liberty I'm gonna turn off the sounds that would drag people down to the pit of despondency With a sweet, happy tune, He is coming soon for His children like you and me It's a song that'll carry a message along through the dentist of foggy nights and a tune is the rope that can throw a man hope when he's going down for the third time. It's a sweet melody that can cut your heart free from the chains of a past defeat. You can suddenly see through the sweet harmony a path for your wandering feet. I'm gonna sing just as long as it takes for a song to make sad, heavy spirits free. I'm gonna keep making music that carries the secret that Jesus is liberty. I'm gonna turn off the sounds that would drag people down to the pit of despondency. With a sweet, happy tune, He is coming soon for His children like you and me. Don't tell me the world is a hopeless old place and I might as well just give in. To the doom and gloom, life's a waiting room for the blow that'll do us all in. 
I can't sympathize when before my eyes There's a hope shining bright as day I gotta follow the song that keeps drawing me on With my feet dancing all the way I'm gonna sing just as long as it takes For a song to make sad, heavy spirits free I'm gonna keep making music that carries the secret That Jesus is liberty I'm gonna turn off the sounds that would drag people down To the pit of despondency With a sweet happy tune he is coming soon For his children like you and me I'm gonna sing just as long as it takes For a song to make sad heavy spirits free I'm gonna keep making music that carries the secret that Jesus is liberty I'm gonna turn off the sounds that would drag people down to the pit of despondency With a sweet happy tune he is coming soon for his children like you and me Yeah, with a sweet happy tune he is coming soon for his children like you and me Well, if that doesn't wake you up, nothing is going to wake you up on this sunny Wednesday morning here in Newcastle anyway. Um, that was the Gaither Vocal Band with I'm Gonna Sing. Are you, you I'm gonna, not, not going to sing. sing. I do love to sing, but I'm not bold enough to start say, singing right now. I'm not going to sing. <laughs> I am going to sing in my heart. Everybody's going to appreciate my, me singing in my heart this morning, I think. Well, Liam looks ready to sing. Oh, Liam is just ready to uh, just smash it out this morning. <laughs> Producing the show here. So, uh, positively different news. What is happening? Well, this is a kind of an interesting story that is about a man living in the UK, an artist by the name of Matthew Burroughs, and he has basically built a new economy built on, get this, trust and generosity. Okay. Okay. You wonder, how could that be possible in our day and age? Could really survive on trust and generosity? So basically, he's an artist, and artists at this point are struggling, right? They have no way to market their stuff, and also who wants to spend money when the times are tight, right? And so he came up with this idea, and it was simple. You post your work on Instagram for no more than 200 pounds, and when you reach 1,000 pounds of sales, then you have to buy another artist's work. Okay. Okay. That's pretty cool. So he was like, let me just see how this is going to work. So he tested it that night and he puts it on social media. By the next morning, he was one sale away from having to buy another artist's work. He was one sale away from making that 1,000 pounds. By the next morning, he posted that night. The next morning, he had that kind of response. So is this kind of like a, the old school cha- an adaptation of the old school chain letter? I don't, kind of, kind of, but not really because if you think about it, it actually is built on honesty and the fact that you have to, once you reach your money goal, you have to then go buy somebody else's artist work. Okay. So, all right. So, yeah, it's based on honesty rather than just a... Uh, Follow this and then I do this and then you do this. Yeah. And yeah. it's just a way of, of boosting the economy, circulating money, getting um, artists to 
Yeah. Yeah. So this Make little this little group was born called the Artist Support Pledge, and people were messaging him, and they were saying that they were reaching their goal in 24 hours. And get this. This global microeconomy, this microeconomy that's been going for three months, has probably generated forty-eight million pounds in sales. What? <laughs> so I think it's time to get a new job, the radio show, and now go sell some art. Wow. Yeah. So now, what kind of art are they trading then? Any art. Any, anything, any, anything, any, any form of art. So any form of art. Sculpture, a painting, He's a open to anybody. photograph. Yep, that's the idea. He wants anyone to join. It's not discriminatory on age or the type of art. It's whatever. And artists that hardly made anything before yep. are now making, some of them, a thousand pounds a day. And they barely made that in right. a month's time. And now these artists that were strangely in trouble before are strangely prosperous. Be interesting to see where this ends up. Well, that's what's interesting. So basically, it kept him busy seven days a week, almost twenty four seven, to maintain this. And so he thought it was just going to go for three months, kind of just helping put food on the table for artists was his yeah, idea. Sure. Yep. And now he has started to launch a not for profit company and support it with the Crafts Council, um, so they can help him support the burden of managing. And the biggest thing he says that it's like a full time job is to prevent it from being exploited commercially. So it really has got to stay right. built on the honor system, right? I find art pieces that I like. And once I myself have sold a thousand pounds worth of my art, then I need to then go purchase other art. Now, if you're, you're going to end up with a lot of art if you're successful with this. Well, that would be the idea. He said he's having a lot of fun getting art that he never dreamed of. And artists are loving it as they're enjoying each other's work. And also it takes away like, you know, the gallery always takes a little bit of money, right? And now that percentage isn't there. It's just they're offering it for the straight price and getting it for the straight price, besides shipping and handling, obviously. Is there, a, is there quality control in this? Like um, can somebody just like walk out the front door, take a snap and post it up and say, hey, I've taken a photo? And It's a great question. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's, a, it's honestly fascinated. built on trust and generosity, trust which and is generosity and interesting that it would work. Yeah. But I think in times like these, you see the worst of humanity and the best of humanity, right? And so people know that everyone is struggling. And if, like, if you're an artist, I think you probably understand what it's like to go for months and have your passion but not be able to sell anything to provide the basic necessities for your and family. And this is, this is one of the challenges when the economy goes down. It is the luxury items that are the first to go. Yes. You know, if you're in the, in the, in the business of producing food, then when the economy goes down, you're probably not going to struggle. You know, if you're growing rice, you're probably not going to struggle. Mm-hmm. But art is at the luxury end. In fact, it's the end of the luxury end. And one of those things that you know, people just do not buy when money is short. They, they just make do with making their own art. And so, yeah, artists, artists are going to get hit. I, you know, I've been thinking about the tourist industry being hit the hardest. I was you know, chatting with a friend who's an airline pilot the other day and um, just, just absolutely staggering the things that he was sharing with me, and so you sort of think about you know the tourist industry getting hit the hardest, but it's you don't think about artists. Yeah, and you know I think what's really interesting about this is I think we're going to see a shift in the way that marketing is done or just business is done. Right? If we have seen this big success online, what are going to happen to our galleries or businesses in general as things have 
now people are gotten used to groceries being delivered or looking for my clothes online. You know, how going are stores online. going to, yeah. Yeah, well, there's a very different place. I was I was at church the other day for the first time in a very, very long time because um, my church was just sort of above that size so they couldn't do the early opening and was surprised how many people continued to worship online. Yeah, I think we've gotten used to our pajamas and our slippers and our robes and got quite comfortable. And so it'll be interesting to see how society changes and what we appreciate doing and spending our time and our money. You know, something else that's interesting about this is the fact that he said that people that never were buying art before are now buying art. It's opened up a new economy. Like, oh, that's affordable. And they started doing yeah. that too. I don't think I've ever bought art um, apart from calendars with cars on them. <laughs> um, that's about it for me. But anyway, sounds good. Let's do some. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Joining us on the phone as usual on a Wednesday morning is David Haupt. David, welcome to the show. Good morning and good morning to your listeners. David, I wanted to talk this morning a little bit about, and of course David talks to us each week about emotional health and has uh, just about a lifetime's experience, it feels like, in uh, counselling. I wanted to talk a little bit about mental illnesses. We've talked about depression and, and these kinds of issues, which can be very effectively treated through lifestyle. But I wanted to talk today about mental illnesses like bipolar, schizophrenia, this kind of thing, and what we can actually do there. So let's begin with bipolar. When we talk about a bipolar condition, what actually is that? Uh, Lyle, it's a very good question. And uh, we have... Uh a fairly high percentage of people in our community battling sometimes with bipolar. It is also categorized as a mood disorder, but much more serious. One of the other names is manic depression. And where depression, for instance, has one pole, that is a depression, a depressed pole, bipolar has two poles. In other words, it has a high high and a low low. So it has a depressed state, but then also a, uh, a manic state where people go into uncontrollable and uh, sometimes unacceptable behavior of euphoria and um, do things out of character, which sometimes get them into uh, problems socially and sometimes even with the law. So uh, in terms of American statistics, about 2.8% of their population would suffer with bipolar, uh, around about 5 million people. That's a big number of people. Do we have stats for Australia or would it uh, be a similar percentage? I, I presume that it would be very similar. I don't have the exact statistics here with me at the moment. Uh, it starts, the, the symptoms start to show up around about the age of 25 years of age. Now, I've got two questions that I want to spend a little bit of time exploring on, and we may not get to talk about schizophrenia this week, but we will next week if we don't. But let's let's stick with bipolar for now. I guess my first question I, I want us to talk about and to discuss treatments for it and are there lifestyle interventions that we can make uh, my second question is with you know 2.8 percent of the population suffering from bipolar that would then would mean that there would be a very large percentage of the population a much larger percentage that would be living with somebody who is suffering from bipolar and how does a person actually handle that but let's begin with 
talking about treatments for bipolar. What's what are the standard treatments, and what can be done from a lifestyle perspective? The the normal way in which uh, bipolar is treated is through medication. Um, medication has a lot of side effects, and therefore we find that many of the patients that are treated by their uh, GPs and psychiatrists for bipolar, the moment that they start to stabilize, they actually withdraw from the medication and that actually worsens the whole thing. They fall back and they go onto this seesaw um, experience in their life where they go into this high manic moments or extremely deep depressed states and then are then picked up again and medicated. And um, it, it becomes a lifestyle. And, and treatment really from a medical perspective is shown that this is not fully treatable disease. In other words, that people with bipolar actually will live with it for the rest of their life, um, which really is, is impacting people's lives in a very negative way. So we find that so a bipolar is on a, a person is on a on a somewhat of a seesaw when they come on and off medication on a semi-regular basis that then I would assume increases that seesaw effect that's very true um, when they go into a manic state they have these extremely emotional highs where they uh, and, and very typical uh, activities that people would get into is in spinning sprees in unprotected sex and drug use and so forth um, they also go into hypermania where generally associated bipolar 2 it's similar to mania but it's not as severe but then they drop down into this deep sadness this hopelessness this loss of energy the lack of interest in activities they once enjoyed in periods of too little or too much sleep and even into suicidal thoughts mm. so they're often picked up on either one of these poles and uh, then are giving the medication, and the medication really makes them feel horrible. And, and that's why they so desperately want to get off the medication, but it's the worst that they can do. Okay, so if they do stay on medication, how much of a solution is that? Well, it maintains them. It, um, it keeps them fairly stable. We often see... Uh, when we run with the depression anxiety recovery program, one of the conditions under which we will accept those people on board because that program will help them. Um, but when, when they apply to come on that program, one of our conditions would be that they must have stabilized on the medication or else they would be so disruptive. Uh, that the program will in actual fact not help them. And secondly, um, they will disrupt the program and make it impossible for even other participants to, to really focus on the program. When we talk about the lifestyle programs that you are running to combat the challenge of depression, um, how much of an impact does that have on somebody who is bipolar and, as you say, is probably going to live with it for the rest of their life? Does it make a, get, a difference? Sure. 
Um, I, I guess one of the uh, biggest challenges with any form of mental illness is the stigmatization of that disease. And therefore, it is vital that people actually acknowledge that they are suffering with it. Uh, people that, uh, that doesn't want to acknowledge that actually has a major problem because they won't really take serious the, uh, the treatment that is provided to them. In terms of lifestyle, there's interesting research that have come out a number of years ago that did uh, some study on omega-3. And the impact that omega-3 can have on a person with bipolar. And we, we for instance, would ask our uh, participants to go on to, I'm talking about depression and anxiety patients, we would ask them to go on to a 3,000 milligram of omega-3. And I'm referring here not to fish oil, I'm here referring to flaxseed oil, that that would work at the therapeutic level for depression and anxiety. But with bipolar, we would give them 9,000 milligram of, uh, of, of uh, omega-3. And according to the research, the 9,000 milligrams will work at a therapeutic level, which is fantastic news. But diet is, is crucial. Eating the right food that actually will give you the uh, right nutrients to uh, feed the brain, especially in terms of dopamine, noradrenaline, and uh, uh, you know tryptophan that will give them serotonin is crucial. Exercise, bright sunlight, uh, hydrating their bodies, etc., are all things that really will help them. Does bipolar get progressively worse with age? And if that is the case, can you slow that progression? That- I would like to see. Sorry, I chipped in there. No, I was just say, this is a question that's just come through from Angela. Um, only my microphone is working with the phone system, so she's um, handing me questions, but I think it's a very good question. Okay. I would suggest that um, with age, uh, bipolar will, if, if it's not treated and not maintained, will, will grow progressively more and more debilitating. Um, but we find that people that can acknowledge that they have it, uh, make peace with it, and therefore take treatment and change their lifestyle, they actually can live a fairly normal life. If you suspect somebody has this condition, how do you convince a person to seek treatment? I think it's vital for them to, uh, for a loved one, when they notice that um you know, the, the symptoms there, that they actually take the time to sit down with them and share with them some literature and invite them that they, you will actually go with them to seek help. Um, the, 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 the symptoms are fairly debilitating if it's not treated. And uh, often we will find this kind of person at the time of uh, suicide or when they actually are incarcerated due to uh, some of their manic episodes, the things that they would have done. And therefore, they are at the critical point of their life, realizing that they actually need help. Our most difficult people to treat with is those that have uh, stabilized, think that they now, okay, think that they they cured and therefore jump off the medication 
and just that interval before they either go into manic or deep state of depression, uh, that is the critical time that we actually find that it's more difficult to work with those people. Mm. Because they just they feel they're okay. They 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 can't see the danger that they are in. So, what about people who are living with somebody who's bipolar? Obviously, a very large portion of our population is living with someone who is bipolar. Uh, what can that person do to, I guess, you know, survive in that kind of environment? It is um, very difficult, even to live with someone that suffers with depression. So, so much the more. As you see someone in a manic state going, uh, let's say, for instance, uh, your spouse uh, is living with bipolar and seeing them acting out of character in a manic state uh, or just going into this deep, self-destructive, depressed state, it is extremely difficult. And I would suggest to us as, uh, as for our listeners that uh, whenever you meet someone who is living in that kind of environment, that they actually need support as well. So um, for the individual themselves, they need support, they need guidance, they need to realize that um, the actions, the behavior that this person is demonstrating in their life is not reflective of who they are, but in reality are, is reflective of the disease. They are living with a sick person. Now, Angela's just come back with another question here, and she's asking, is there an all-natural... You talked about the negative side effects of uh, the medicine. Is there an all-natural way of dealing with bipolar without going on medication? My strong recommendation uh, to Angela would be that people that are battling with bipolar should actually seek a combination. They need a stabilizing factor, and that is the medication, and then they can trial to incorporate the natural, uh, and as the natural starts to having an effect on the individual, then with a doctor's assistance, they can trial uh, to see whether they can slowly start to withdraw some of that medication. And uh, if the natural means has kicked in and really stabilized that person, the doctor will more, will be more than glad to uh, eliminate some of that medication and be ready to move in if it doesn't uh, really help. We have found, though, that uh, the combination to start off is vital to, to stabilize that person. Sure. And with, uh, with, with the, the uh, programs that you run that are focusing on lifestyle, how much of a change do you see over the period of, of you know, when you, when you get a group together and you, have, you run a group program for a week or so, something like that, how much of a change can a bipolar person expect to see within that short space of time? We will actually see uh, the, the similar change in a bipolar patient as with a depressed patient. Uh, that is if they commit to the lifestyle change in every aspect. So we would see a dramatic, over eight weeks, we would see a dramatic change in that person's life. The key, though, in that program, it is a choice. We only see individuals for two hours per week, and the responsibility is for them to then maintain and work on the activities, which um, has uh, cognitive behavioral, so mental health, 
uh, it, it has lifestyle in terms of exercise, nutrition, uh, circadian rhythm. It, it includes the, um, the reactivation of the frontal lobe of the brain. It has some spiritual elements in there. It has a very wide spectrum of lifestyle changes that they need to uh, incorporate. Now, you can only do that once you have stabilized uh, on your medication. If you haven't stabilized on that medication, uh, you will actually be destructive to yourself. Mm. And that is the crucial part. Mm. Well, the good news is that there is a lot that we can do if we're suffering from this debilitating disease. David Haupt, we want to thank you so much for joining us here on Faith FM this morning. We also had uh, Christopher who texted in and he suffers. He was wanted to comment on the interview this morning. He suffers from PTSD, mm. and he described the approach, the treatment approach, to mental illness as being like a pie. Okay. So when you've got a pie, you cut it up into various sections, and each one of those sections, you know, within within the framework of mental health, is a different form of treatment that is a contributing factor. And so there is medication and then there is lifestyle and there's all kinds of you know different parts of both of those. But Christopher brought out a very, very good point that I want us to, to, to highlight and think about. The most important piece of the pie when dealing with mental illness is your relationship with Jesus Christ. Hmm. And I'd like to say that's the most important of the pie regardless of what illness you are dealing with, particularly mental illness, but, you know, even with other illnesses as well, if you've got cancer, then you're going to have a pie as well. And that might include chemo. It might include becoming vegan. It might include doing exercise. It might include all kinds of things. We don't know what it's all going to include. But the most important part is always going to be your relationship with Jesus Christ. So really, really appreciate what uh, Christopher uh, for, sent in on that particular message. I think he was... Um, he did call through, but we had multiple phone calls coming all at once and our <laughs> producer just uh, completely on the hop this morning. So, yes, that's what has been taking place. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, so with Question of the Day, just a quick reminder that you do need to send your questions through and we will feature them here. We've had a number of uh, questions come through from listeners this week. So just shoot them through via a text message or give us a call, 1-800-324-843 or text us on 0491 and we will include your question of the day. But right now it is time for... Question of the Day. And the question of the day today, as we've already alluded to it in the study and that is does god create calamity does god create evil there's a verse in isaiah 45 7 that seems to indicate that he does exactly that thing okay why don't you read that one for us there angela all right i form the light and create darkness i make peace and create calamity i the lord do all these things let me read it from the king james version i form the light and create darkness i make peace and create evil i the lord do all these things Okay, so there's a number of different ways of looking at this particular passage, and I have a very good friend who has a very different way of looking at it. And so I think that there is, you know, possibly more than one way of looking at it. However, I'm going to share with you my perspective on this particular verse right here. Why does the Bible say that God creates evil? Or why does the Bible say that God creates calamity? Um, you know, we can understand him creating light and darkness. And making peace, but really, God creating evil is the is the reason that sin exists. Because God said, "You know what? Sin's going to be a good thing to have. Therefore, I am going to create sin." 
Or did God just say, okay, sin's a really horrible thing. I'm going to create it anyway. You know, either which way it reveals a God who, you know, we really don't want to have anything to do with. Okay, so here's, here's the perspective that I'm going to take on this. God gave and God created beings that have the power of choice. So human beings are one kind of being that has the power of choice. Uh, Angels are another kind of being that has the power of choice. And goodness knows what there is out there in the universe that God has created that has the power of choice. The moment that you create the power of choice, by default and unavoidably, you have created the possibility of evil. And as we mentioned in our Bible study a little bit earlier on, God takes responsibility for those things that he allows to happen. Sin would not exist if God had not created the power of choice. Why did God create the power of choice? The reason that God creates the power of choice is because God is love. And the reality of sin existing for a season, for a period of time, is the inevitability of God being a God of love. You see, it is the power of choice that creates the possibility of love. It creates the existence of love. It creates the ability for us to experience love. It creates the the experience, the, the, the possibility for us to love. If God was to remove the power of choice to remove the possibility of evil in one move, God would have eradicated love from the universe. Hmm. It would cease to exist. And so for love to exist involves God taking a risk and creating something that can, and I would say in an eternal universe, inevitably will sooner or later, bring evil. And so, you know, matter of time. I mean, how much time do you want? It's, it's, it's eternity that we're dealing with here. And so then God has to have a plan in place. And uh, the Bible indicates that God has had a plan in place as to how he would deal with sin so that sin would only ever exist once. So, yes, Jesus dying on the cro- cross of Calvary is the cost of giving the universe the power of choice. And it was a cost that God was prepared to pay Forever. He has always had that plan in place. And when it did arise, when sin did come up, God put a plan in place so that sin would never come back again and the power of choice would never, ever have to be removed. And that's what the great controversy is all about.